What is up? What is going on, everybody? This week, you will be entering our virtual fantasies. And we'll do it on the other side of the song. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of Freakle. As always, I'm one of your three co-hosts, Ethan Klein, and here with me, Mike Duranik. What up? And Brad Miller. Well, he took my line, but I'll say it anyway. What's up? <laughs> you guys don't have any comments on my virtual fantasies? Well, uh, listen, as, as Billy Joel once opined uh, in, in a song that was uh, pre-internet, uh, sometimes a fantasy is all you need. And sometimes it's all you have. Um <laughs> This week, we are talking Ready Player One, uh, came out in 2018, another Steven Spielberg film. We've uh, dipped our toe in in those waters a couple other times on the podcast, and I mean, I I don't know if you can really argue anything. I mean, he's the GOAT. He's just, he's earned that title. So anytime you can talk about a Steven Spielberg movie, you know, it's probably going to be a quality day uh, here at the the threequel, but here we are. was this my choice or was this, this was a group pick, right? I think it was a group pick that I influenced. I think that it's okay. We can just allow the, <laughs> the audience to know that while this is a democracy, sometimes it's, it's really more like a benevolent dictatorship. It's Ethan's the host. And so what happened was we were talking about the movies, as I recall, uh, Brad, correct me if I'm wrong. And Ethan was like, well, we're going to do a, a big budget flick and, yes. you know, like ready player one. And I was like, I think we could we could do the Hunger Games, and Ethan was like, "Good, so Ready Player One," and uh, that's how we ended up here as our group pick. I yeah, that sounds about right. I have no idea uh, your guys' opinions on this movie just yet. I'm very confident since we were talking about the first Hunger Games. I'm actually quite a big fan of the second Hunger Games film, but since the first one was what was on the table, I think I did you guys a favor by switching us to Ready Player One. Uh, but we, we will see what your guys' opinion of it. I do believe it was the first experience for the both of you, correct? It was not a first experience for Mike. Okay, it was not a first experience for Brad. All right, who's going to miss? This is, this is really invigorating uh, <laughs> podcasting, though, as you ask the question, and we both silently shake our heads no. Yeah, well. So that you have to interpret it for the audience. He also answered the question and answered it incorrectly, and then we just shook our head silently, so... All right. Well, um, so now you guys see how stupid I completely am. I can just ask the normal question then. Uh, gentlemen, as I always ask, what was your first experience then with Ready Player One? Since this was not it, did you see it in theaters in 2018? Did you catch it at some point in the last five years? What was that like? And what did you bring into this rewatch for the show? I I think this was one of the first movies that, and I could be completely off base here, this this would be on Disney Plus, right? Mm-mm. Is this what is this on? What streaming service? Currently nothing because I watched it on my Blu-ray. Oh, um, I don't remember how I, for whatever reason, we streamed it here in the house, and it was one of the first movies that we watched on some streaming service, I believe, um, because I don't, I know we don't own this movie. Um, nor did we rent it. So at some point it was streaming somewhere, I believe, but it would have been in my house that I saw it probably, I'd say maybe a year or two ago and then watched it again for this month. 
Yeah, so uh, I think it at one point might have been on HBO Max uh, and then fell off of that. That might be it. Um, but re regardless, so my introduction to this movie was actually the fact that it was going to be a movie. It was not yet released. Um, my mother-in-law uh, bought this, but the book for me for Christmas one year, I'd never heard of it. Uh, and it was one of those that I, I just had sitting on my bookshelf really with not much intent to read. Um, but then my sister who reads a lot was at my house and said, Oh, have you read that? I said, no. She said, well, you, you'll enjoy it. Um, she said it's a it's a good quick read, uh, but it, it's a it's very enjoyable. So I picked it up. I read it. She was right. It's a, it's a quick read, uh, good pacing. I have not read the sequel, um, although I did get that as a gift also. Um, but as I read this, I was like, and then I, I had known because I, I, the copy said, you know, now being made into a major motion picture or whatever they put on those books uh, to try to sell them. Uh, I, I was interested to see what Spielberg would do with this because it was hard for me to imagine how you could take the idea behind the book of the real world and then this virtual world um, and make it seem real, but not totally real on the screen, if that makes sense, right? You can go Avatar, which is entirely like interwoven, but this is a fully virtual world within a movie world. And I was just fascinated to see how Spielberg did it. So I, I saw it at some point, uh, not long after it came out. I can't remember if it was in the theaters or I waited until it was released uh, after that. Uh, and then I had watched it once or twice when it was streaming, just kind of falling asleep to it. Um, and then this would have been probably the third or fourth time for me. Yeah, I saw this thing opening weekend in theaters, heard a lot of good things about it um, from the people that I trust the most. Um, when I like the movie podcast I listen to, it's a Steven Spielberg epic action blockbuster type film. Uh, it's right up my alley. So I was there opening weekend. I took a date uh, to see this opening weekend um, and not the the happy relationship I'm currently in. So you can see apparently Ready Player One did not have uh, the the good juju uh, for, for me and, and that uh, lady. But, you know, things always work out for the better. I think I had more fun watching this than she did that night uh, because I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I have the Blu-ray. I bought it. I think that following Black Friday, Black Friday is the only time I buy uh, any physical media. Uh, but I always run through Best Buy and see what they got. And I thought this was definitely worth it for me to have on the shelf. And I'm glad I did because uh, I was able to just pop it in and save myself four bucks. That's what it was all worth it. That 20 bucks I spent five years ago was worth the four bucks uh, that I saved uh, earlier this week when I rewatched this for the show, but uh, saw it come up and, and yes, I did definitely influence the group pick away from hunger games towards something that I knew I would enjoy uh, and hoped you guys enjoyed as well. So let's find out if the critics enjoyed this movie at all before we really get into our conversation, Mike, uh, you got me by 1% last week on outbreak. And so you are once again, sitting in the, the chair that you are most used to, the champion's chair in this game. So you're going to go first, trying to guess the score of Ready Player One, and then Brad will have the opportunity to snipe you one way or the other. Well, I'm sitting on a stool, Ethan. So it's the champion's stool. Um, and as far as this movie goes, uh, it's Spielberg, but I don't think that this was, uh, this isn't peak Spielberg. Uh, I do think that this is definitely fresh. So I'm going to go with a 75 and let Brad decide uh, if it's just slightly fresh or if it is solidly fresh. 
Uh, well, before you gave your number, I was kind of thinking somewhere in the 7980 range. So I guess I don't have any reason to go off of that now. So I'll say 76 and take the numbers above yours. So the audience score on this is a 77. So right wow. there, you guys were all in line with each other. Uh, a slightly different score from the critics. We do have that, that short gap. And it is in a direction that is going to keep Mike in his seat. Uh, critics have this at a 72%. So just a small gap there, 5%. Wait, wait. So the number, I wasn't one off of the correct number. I'm, I'm confused you were, at you what you're saying. The audience score. We play by the. Uh, you tricked me. Why'd you give that number first? I thought, wow. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was I was building the anticipation. I was oh, trying okay. to do some good podcasting. Um, no, so <laughs> the correct the correct number is seventy two percent. That is where it's at uh, on the tomato meter with the critics. Uh, still plenty fresh, uh, way way up in there. Um, and yeah, the audience seemed to enjoy it a little bit more. Um, so as as we look towards you know, is Rotten Tomatoes correct? I, I mean, when I remember this being a pretty big hit. I'm trying to pull up the box office numbers here and it was i mean 175 million dollars that's a huge budget something like this steven spielberg's probably one of the only people that's going to get that big of a budget uh when when you're adapting a a novel and like you said mike it's pretty this novel itself how are you going to do that you have to have the budget or it's just going to be bad um and it and it made 600 million dollars so uh the investment worked out um and i i've always heard rumor that they're gonna adapt ready player two as well um but have not seen a ton of movement on it but i mean i'd be shocked once a movie clears half a billion dollars and there's already something written to make a sequel i'd be shocked if we never got it um but yeah so is rotten tomatoes correct that's the next question i always ask you guys like i said they have it at 72 percent audience at 77 uh where are you guys at uh is is that are those numbers solid so I'm going to ask a question because this threw me off a couple of weeks ago. So if in our scale, if we've done 113 movies and this comes in at say like 65, if we're middle of the pack of movies that we've enjoyed, what should that score on a Rotten Tomatoes um, ranking to say a middle of the pack movie? Oh, I mean, that's really, t- that, I mean, there's if movie. you're like, if you're like, you know, you don't love it, but you don't hate it. Uh, you had a few problems with it, but a few things you really love. Like, where would that fall in, in that? Would it, would that be like a sixty-five or a seventy or? Yeah, pro- I mean, I, I mean, I to me, if, I think the scale is where it should like sixty. Like you're fresh, sixty percent, sixty-five percent. It's a movie that was good. You'd rewatch it again at some point. You were happy that we did it. There's some positive things to talk about. You start getting into 70, 75%. It's something that's like in the catalog. Like you'd rewatch that every probably like five years or something. Like if, or if it's on, you're more than happy to not change the channel. Once you start getting up above 80%, it's a movie that you like really, really hold dear. Like that's kind of where my brackets are at. And then there's right, so for me, at like. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, this is one. Um, yeah, I, I think that number is fair. I think that. Uh, that might be just slightly higher than where I would put it, but I have no problem with it coming in at that number. Um, I think that it's one that, you know, both times I watched it, I enjoyed it, but, um, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to ever see it again. Um, 
if it's on in the background and I'm doing something, yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch it again, but it's not going to take up two hours of my life uh, or two and a half, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, I, I think 72 is fair, even though that's a little slightly higher than where I would have put it. Yeah, I think that it's it's right in the, the right range, whether this is a low 70s or mid 70s. I don't think that this movie intended to be a best picture. Uh, I think it intended to be a fun movie that, uh, you know, it, it had a relative, I think outside of Ben Mendelsohn, were any of these actors or actresses much of anything at the time that this came out? No. Um, and so that tells you, like, they're, that's how they saved on some of their budget, I'm sure, so that they could do the special effects with the rest of it. But um, it, it's fine, right? It, it's a fun movie. Um, you know, quite frankly, I watched it earlier this month. And then it was on TNT again today. And so I just had it on in the background while I was cooking dinner. Uh, and it's a fun movie, right? Um, so I think a, a solid fun movie without any glaring flaws. Low to mid 70s makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I I lean more towards where the audience is at. Not to say that the critics are wrong. I have it in the higher 70s. It's, I mean, I'm never going to make an argument. This is one of my 50, 10 favorite movies. Um but it's one that, like, when I'm trying to pick out a movie for Tess and I to watch, I mean, she's seen it now. So, like, I try to always like to show people new things they haven't seen. I really enjoy doing that. It was one of the first movies I showed her because it was a very safe early on in the relationship. Like, well, I want her to have a good time. You know, I want her to enjoy whatever I pick. I don't want to pick something that's going to, like, make her upset. Ready Player One. Of course, she's going to have fun watching Ready Player One. It's fun. Like, it's one of those movies that I think if you're with a group of people or if you are introducing someone a new movie and you just want to have like a safely enjoyable night, this movie hits it. Like, it's two and a half hours that flies by to me. I don't think it's too long. We talk about that a lot. Term in the I mean, sure, you could make this an hour and a half movie, but I don't think you need to. Like, I just, I have a really good time doing this. I think they do what you had to do to make this movie work. Like you said, Mike, is find that perfect balance of it's a virtual world that's obviously a virtual world yet somehow feels real and it fully feel like i'm honestly surprised we're not closer to this reality but i bet we'll get there i mean hopefully not like the dystopian side of it but like we're going to get there at some point you're going to be able to put on a headset like they have vr right now but obviously not to this level it'll get there that's going to happen um and so it didn't feel like crazy sci-fi it felt like in the near future and so that made it feel real and the kid we've done this, we've seen this kid before do you did you guys recognize him i mean he's gone through puberty now but do you know where we've seen him before you you mean ty sheridan Mm-hmm. it's not coming to me he is the main kid in mud all right. All right. So he absolutely has acting chops. Like the the kid can do it. I think he could end up uh, being a leading man at some point. Um, I think he does a really good job here, uh, and he did obviously he did a fantastic job. He he got asked to do a lot more in mud, um, dramatically, but that's okay. And I just think I think it all worked really well. I think Ben Mendelsohn. I love Ben Mendelsohn um, for as long as he's been around, and I think that's perfect. You know, we kind of talked last week about what if outbreak just had one star and a bunch of people around them that weren't really well known. This is when you go with that route and it works out positively. Like Ben Mendelsohn, he just gets to chew up the scenery. He gets to be big and bad. I don't know 
Mike, since you've read the book, you can give some clarity to this, but the person that he's playing, it's perfect what his avatar in the game looks like. Like he's playing that exact cartoon character in real life. And in this movie, it works. It's a home run. I like, I really, I have no complaints. Like we've all said, this movie's not perfect. It's not a 90%. It's not an all time great. I have nothing to complain about this movie. I think it's fun from the moment you hit play. Yeah, I think that it's it's a good casting job. He does a great job with the villain. He makes it believable, and he plays it over the top, but not too over the top. Um, and so, yeah, I think a, a great casting decision on him, and then a great job casting around him with a bunch of unknowns or relative unknowns, because I think that does help you to delve into the world and buy it as this dystopian future and buy these you know, this ragtag group of, of rebels and kids and all this stuff who are taking on this huge corporation uh, in this virtual world. And it's it's with that has a, a real life uh, ramifications. Right. I think that's that's the thing is it's you know, we live in a world right now of uh, esports, right, where um, the, the the youths these days would prefer to to play their sports on video games as opposed to uh, in, in the real world. And so we have moved virtual. What made this stick is these are virtual, you know, a, a virtual game that has real world stakes. And I think he represents the corporate uh, entity very well in that regard. I'm looking through, this is actually, this is far and away the biggest movie Ben Mendelsohn's ever done. I've always been a big fan of his. Well, uh, okay. He was in a Star Wars movie, but it's Rogue One. That's like my favorite Star Wars movie, but not, you know, it, it's kind of, it's definitely... And and he also was in the Dark Knight Rises, so you know, well, yeah, not, not big roles, but right? A, yeah. a memorable role in that one. Yes, right. So, and that's what like it's just weird to like kind of think back on like, but really like, I really like him in Killing Them Softly, Place Beyond the Pines, uh, Mississippi Grind. Like what I love him for Bloodline. If you guys ever watch that TV show, like it's stuff that people haven't really seen. But then he gets those big moments to be memorable in Dark Knight Rises. I think he's really really good in Rogue One. Uh, in you know the the villain role, and then this like he finally gets to be in just kind of something fun, uh, and, and I think he kills it. Yeah, I, I agree. Any, I think he does a good job with it. Anything from you, Brad? I mean, cast wise, if that's what you're asking about, yeah, like, we can just go to the overall cast. Um, well, what were you, what were you specifically asking about? Ben Mendelsohn, but if you want to. Which I mean, the overall cast is more than if, one if I am being honest, when you said I love Ben Mendelsohn, um, I looked to see what who he played and like uh, I could not have told you anything else he was in. But when you just said Dark Knight Rises, I remember that that part now um, outside of that. I could not have told you anything besides this that he was in. So um, I, I think he does this part very well uh very well cast there um as far as the overall cast i mean there's a few names in there that pop up like uh simon Pegg and uh, mm-hmm. uh tj miller you know those are probably the ones that i knew really prior to this outside of that a, a lot of fresh faces for me um so yeah i mean casting wise uh i think they did a great job and and i you're right i think ty sheridan did a great job of uh um, being the lead in this for not being known as being a lead, I think he did a fine job. 
Olivia Cook is actually the one that probably got the biggest bump from this. She's in she's one of the two female leads now for the newest Game of Thrones show. And she I mean doesn't have a ton of again, this movie's not a dramatic movie, it's not trying to win Academy Awards. So you don't get to really see it. She's a powerhouse. She's gonna have she's gonna be around for a long time. Uh she's really, really good in that. And again, don't have a problem with what she does in this, it's just very different. Um Looking at Spielberg, I mean, I don't think we have to. Mike, like, obviously you said, and yes, is this peak Spielberg? No. And we've talked about Spielberg before. Um, But I'd be curious, like, just your gut reaction. Would you say, like, top five, top ten, not top ten at all? Um, It doesn't, I mean, we don't have to go through and make a comprehensive list. But as you watch this, as you think about Steven Spielberg as a director, uh, what 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 does that that sound like to you? How does that feel for you guys? Well, my first my first immediate thought as I pull up Steven Spielberg is uh, I'm shocked that he's nine years younger than Dustin Hoffman, who we talked about on last week's podcast. <laughs> yes. um, so he's he's got a decade left in him uh, from where Hoffman is. Um. I mean, just very, I think here's a way to do this, right? Just uh, give me an, an outline. I'm going to run through some of his more notable ones, and you tell me if this is better than the ones I'm going to toss out to you, okay? Sure. Let's see if we can get to 10. Does that work for you, Brad? Let's do it. All right, so here we go. We're going to start with, with Jaws. No. Pretty clearly, Jaws is more well-known and more peak Spielberg, yeah. okay? Yeah. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes. So that one is also above this one, right? I, or you say this is above thirty. I, I close would encounters. say this is better than Close Encounters. All right, or, very good. So, how about Raiders of the Lost Ark? No. Okay, ET. I don't like ET, so I'll leave that one up to you guys. But yes, it probably is. The ET is, I'm sure, higher on the list if you were making a list. Gotcha. So then you got Indiana Jones, Temple of, of Doom. Of course, that's right. That's, so yep. There's four. Um, you've got uh, the color purple. That has to be right. So there's five. Last Crusade is six. Yep. Jurassic Park seven. Yep. Schindler's List. List eight. Yes. Um, and if we skip even a couple of other well-known ones, by the time you get to Saving Private Ryan nine, and right? Minority Report. Minority Report yep. ten. Catch Me If You Can, probably. And we've only gotten through to 2002, so we haven't even looked at his last 20 years. Man, he is a powerhouse. He is. I mean that. Yeah, that's the easiest way. Like I said at the beginning, he's earned the title of GOAT, um, and it's right there. I think just me glancing then through that next 20 years that you said, mm-hmm. I think this will safely find a place in the top 15, which for most directors, you're like, okay, have they even directed 15 movies? Well, he's directed almost 60. So like, I, I think it's still a top half of his career, but as we just said, it, it's it really is not near that top 10. Yeah, and as I look at it, the movies that I would take uh, in the back twenty years of his career so far over this, I would I would rather I'd put Munich higher than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would put Lincoln higher than this, but that's probably it. Yep. So then that means that this is sitting right around thirteen, fourteen, which is pretty solid. Which I mean, how many directors? This thing, if I, I just pull a name, uh, well, we just did Wolfgang Peterson. This would probably be this would be the best movie Wolfgang Peterson's ever looked at, ever been on the set of, right? Like, how many people would love to have this be their peak? Like, it's just tough when it's Steven Spielberg. 
Um, but that's that's what makes him great. Um, and I don't know if there's really much more we got to talk about with him. I mean, the guy's the guy is who he is. He might grab best director and best picture again this year. Um, I thought the Fablemans was good, not great, but people are all over that thing. So he he very easily uh, could have that, and he has not won best director since 1999 with Saving Private Ryan. So it would break quite a, a cold stretch for him on the awards front if he does, which I think he end up will. He he will end up getting it um, just because people love him. But uh, let's go back then. I don't know. Is there is there much more? Is it is it just time for favorite line, favorite scene? Are we already there? Yeah, I mean, I I think just to kind of what sum up my view of this movie. So on my rankings, um, I think Mike alluded to we have 113 that we've done. Um, what I did just for my own kind of sake of remembering how much I liked a movie besides just the number is I made the top 10 one color and then I made movies that I will go and try to see again another color and then movies uh, that if I see again great a third color and then the last one obviously is uh, movies that I hope to never see again Um, this one falls in the it's the top movie of that third category so it really could go either way. It's the top movie in the uh, – I'm not going to go out of my way to see it, but if it's on there uh, or if it's on, I'll, I'll watch it. So it almost made the list of, um, you know, go try to see again. It's right there. So I think it's enjoyable. Um, uh, Ethan, I appreciate the things you've said about it. I don't disagree. I think it is um, – the one thing I guess I, I would say – in disagreement of uh, I think it's too much of a thinker to just have and sit and watch in a group like because you know it's hard to socialize and also follow the details of the plot of this one but um, I think overall it's it's entertaining it's different I enjoy the you know the video game aspect of it and try to think of what life would be like so I I think that it's it's good enough to um, enjoy and also think about so yeah overall good movie and and kind of middle of the road for me as far as our list goes well it's not i mean it sounds like then you and i do really end up putting this in the same spot because i said i'd be where the fans are at with a 77 and i if if i was giving something an 80 percent, that's that mark where you know every couple of years i think to myself oh i haven't watched that in a couple i need to i need to turn that back on something like red eye you know um so, but this no, 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 no. You just said every couple years, <laughs> which would mean you're at least fifty um, for Red Eye. So, um, but you know, for for this, it's not at that level, but it's just right at the top of what's something fun that I could have on right now. Oh, look, it's already on. Perfect. Like that's you know, so it's right there. So it seems like yeah, but the it. difference is, I have ten movies in my top ten. You have fifty. Well, so really, it, we don't have this in the same place. But um, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, on, on my end, I think we're probably all in around the same place. I mean, well, the world will never know what Ethan's actual list of these <laughs> movies are because he's not capable of ranking them like Brad and I are. But Brad, I had this at sixty three out of the one thirteen. Um, uh, 
<laughs> I think that's the first one we have exactly the same. Uh, I also have it at 63. So there you go. And like in, in the, the area there, 62 for me is, is Twister, 61 is Deadpool. And while those are all three very different movies, what they have similar is that they are entertaining. Uh, they they make me, me laugh at different points. And they're movies that, uh, again, I think you just really hit the nail on the head there. Uh, as seen today, right? I pop on the TV. TNT happened to be on this movie was on I was like oh okay I'll have this on in the background and I would do that again same thing with Twister same thing with with Deadpool like movies that I would have on and enjoy may not go out of my way to go uh hunt down again and so yeah solid movie well let's uh let's flip it then let's get into favorite line favorite scene starting with favorite line uh, well, what I had for this one was, uh, I think it's it's Etch, right? Uh, his uh, friend in the Oasis uh, who ends up um, having the van that they get. But uh, this is before he meets the girl, right, in person. And, and his friend says, she could be a 300-pound dude living in her mom's basement in Detroit, and her name is Chuck. Think about that. <laughs> uh, that that's a pretty good one. I... Uh... I'll have to pass on this one. I don't have anything of, of note to really add. Uh, there's, I mean, yeah, there's just a lot of things that uh, made me chuckle uh, throughout this. I think, and I don't have it exactly pulled up in front of me, but my favorite interaction is when Artemis, I don't even know her real name, um, but when she, Olivia Cook's character, when she sees show for the first time, she's like, you're a little kid. Uh, he's like yeah why does everybody keep saying that? Or whatever just like just that inner i just loved that little like because it, and it goes back to what yours is mike but again we just live in this world like even right now you know i play video games with my girlfriend's brothers and obviously i know what they look like but you end up and we're doing this virtually like you hear people so much more often than you see them and it and it like you just don't even you almost get surprised then when you see someone person i just thought that was really funny just that kid just being so offended like yeah i'm a 10 year old shut up well, and I think that, uh, you know, that's the the broader point, right, is like that's the way that the world is moving. Um, and it, you can in very many ways, right, you can be even in today's world, whoever you want to be on the Internet. And yeah. there are some really amazing and powerful or empowering things about that. And there are also some really terrible things about that. Um, and so as, as society moves forward, uh, you know, we have to continue to grapple with that. But, um, yeah, it's funny. Our, our quotes kind of sit along the same lines there. No, uh, yeah. So I, I, it's show you're the world's most badass eleven year old. He knows. Shut up. Let him tell me like that. I, I just love that from that little kid. Uh, favorite scene, fellas. Where, where are you going with here? I think this will be interesting because there's some. They, they put some pretty uh, cool nostalgic stuff in here. I don't know if that hit for any of you guys. I but. think uh, mine is when he realizes he needs to go backwards to win that race and things just kind of get some clarity there. And it was neat seeing him um, go. You, you lived in the, the, the tense, the tense scenes of him trying to win that race and all the stuff. And then you get to see that from a different view underneath as he's like, Oh, it's just that easy. And I like how they led up to that and how he figured it out and then got that first uh, key by, driving backwards underneath the actual race 
Yeah, the nostalgia stuff was probably the the part of this movie that was the the most missing for me, having gone from reading the book where they were able to really put that stuff into context and uh, add a whole lot more depth to it. Um, so that didn't hit as much for me, but I I think that uh, the, the scene that did hit for me, I appreciated the scene where Sorrento pulls him in as a hologram into his office and he's trying to like convince him that he should come work for him and all that stuff. And as he says, no, just the way that he flips and is like, you know, I had to make the offer because they they wouldn't let me do what I was going to do if I could have solved it peacefully, basically. But boy, am I glad you didn't. And you just see the the he knew it was the villain, but just the villain in him. come oh, out. Yeah. And, you know, he realizes as he drops his name and I know who you are. Um, I think that that scene's well done. And it's a good transition scene mid movie to launch into the end of the movie. Yeah, it it shocked me in the theater i had not read the book when they blow up the tower the town or whatever like i was not that i thought it was a kid's movie i mean it's pg-13 but it's spielberg and it's kind of you know it's the video game it's fun when they did that i remember sitting in the theater and just being like oh my god like this is this is a more intense movie than i thought it was going to be um but but it worked uh my favorite scene involves all of those same players from yours um but it's when they they catch him getting out of the game and they do like they've got him trapped in the game but he doesn't know and he thinks that they're in his office but really he's still in the game i thought that was so slick and so smooth because in the theater it tricked me i i was like how in the world did these kids get into his office this makes it doesn't make sense and then seeing him walk out the door and now they're in kind of the network of the game and working the computer and break i thought that was awesome uh, how they played that off. I thought that was really slick and really cool. Um, I'm, I'm curious. So how would you say then, uh, just before we wrap up, like percentage-wise, is this page for page, they got the book, or is it more the idea and the name of the book? I think that it is probably in the same ballpark as like the Lord of the Rings in the sense that I think it was okay. a faithful adaptation, but certainly there were parts of context and depth that they had to scrap out because uh, the, the book is an easy read. It's a fun read, but the amount of depth that they put into it in terms of the nostalgia and things of that nature, there was, there's no way to have that uh, conveyed to the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you did, you'd just be bogging it down in a way that wouldn't be productive. So I'd, I'd say it's a faithful adaptation uh, and pretty well done on the whole. <laughs> Yeah, that was just uh, something I was curious about. So that will wrap up our conversation of Ready Player One. We hope you all enjoyed that. And that will lead us into next week's episode, which was a a much different adventure. Uh, We're going to go back to Basic Instinct, uh, Brad's choice for the month of March. So uh, buckle up, strap on, whatever uh, you need to do to really put yourself in a spot to watch that movie. Uh, but make sure you do that before next week. We'll be talking basic instincts. And other than that, guys, for Mike, for Brad, I'm Ethan, and we'll see you next time.